Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Anne Filippi, founder of The New Health Club. If you want to know about psychedelics as new mental health tools, you came to the right place. I talk to innovators, thought leaders and disruptors, creating the future of mental health and mental wellness. And we think that the future is already here. Hi and welcome to a new episode of the New Health Club show. Most of the time we are talking to you about mental health and psychedelics at the New Health Club. And that's our thing for sure. But today there's another topic we would like to introduce to you. The potential of psychedelics for new ideas on leadership and supporting your creativity as an entrepreneur or executive. So let me introduce you to my guest today. It's Jonathan De Potter, the founder of Behold Retreats, a special legal vetted and safe retreats for leaders, executives and entrepreneurs. And by the way, a portion of Behold's revenues is going to the Fireside Project, the free psychedelic harm reduction hotline. Jonathan talks to me about the psychedelic CEO and how it could look like, how integration of the psychedelic experience is one of the most important topics after the actual psychedelic experience, how new ideas for a company can come out of an experience altogether, but also how much the often stressed and high-pressured personal life of a CEO is connected to all of this and that there is no end of evolution for your consciousness even if you try so hard to achieve it. So if you are an entrepreneur, CEO, or in a leadership position, and you do know that the top-down, fear-based hierarchy in companies is in the process of being replaced by a more servant leadership, and if you know that we need new ideas, new structures, and new insights for our world, not only in business, then this episode is for you. If you're not that person... <laughs> Please listen to the episode anyway, because it contains, I think, very interesting information about a very different way of looking into psychedelics. But now, please enjoy the show and Jonathan. So, we have Jonathan Del Potter on the show today, on the New Health Club show, and we already had a couple of conversations about your amazing Behold retreat. And before we get into a specific question, Please tell us a little bit about the retreat and just to give a little intro, what you guys are doing all over the world. Yeah, it's, uh, it's lovely to be with you here again today. And in essence, with Behold Retreats, what we've, what we've built is uh, the thing that I wish was there for myself uh, five years ago when I started down the path of plant medicine and uh, taking and bringing uh, a more holistic approach to, to the work. So what we try to do is uh, really high quality preparation and integration around a plant medicine retreat experience. So it tends to be uh, a seven week or an eight week experience for our clients, uh, three weeks beforehand um, with doing 
tools for metacognition, tools for emotional processing and emotional release to really help them uh, set deep and meaningful intentions ahead of the retreat. And then, of course, uh, a one-week plant medicine retreat, generally with um, ayahuasca or psilocybin. We also do some work with 5-MeO-DMT for those who are ready. Uh, and then three weeks of, of high-quality integration to help them let go of those things that are no longer serving them uh, and to begin to manifest into their life uh, the things that they would like to begin experiencing. So, and, and actually, could you say what you, you have a retreats now pretty much all over the world, right? You have like five countries where it's also legal to do these things, one should say. Yeah, that's right. So uh, at the moment, we're running retreats in Mexico, Costa Rica. Um, we will be running them again shortly in Peru. Uh, and then we've also got them now in the Netherlands. And soon we're going to have them also in Portugal and Spain. Wow. That's like a, the whole, like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of growing also the countries where you can do these things, I guess. Um, so what I found It interesting is, is that you said, um, You were like an angry atheist when you started <laughs> before your first plant medicine experience. So, and then now you turned into this friendly spiritualist, I guess. So, but the reason why I find your story so interesting under retreat is that you, but you yourself come from, let's say, rather a business world or the finance world, right? And you said earlier that five years ago, you were wishing that something like that would have existed. So, and today we want to focus a little bit on, let's say, I mean, one could call it psychedelic leadership, or one could say, why is it that people who lead other people especially need to have, and even before, but especially now, need to have a new way of approaching their work and their leadership. So, and, and you said earlier when we started to talk about the retreat that it's often that people from, let's say, a C-level are kind of overachievers because they, inside, they don't feel so good. Maybe we start with that kind of elaboration from your experience. Yeah, sure. So um, I guess before I, I moved into plant medicine and the the long period preparation into the into the transition into this new and re-emerging and exciting industry, um, I spent most of my career in consulting, uh, which is a very kind of, I guess, hierarchical and top-down type of organization structure. I think it's, you know, the, the culture in those organizations is beginning to shift, but, you know, the reality is still it's, you know, Uh, it's very much top-down and, and hierarchical. And I guess what you see and feel in those organizations is that, you know, the people who make it to the top are very driven. They're very uh, eager for that success, right? Getting that next client, getting that next deal, getting that next promotion. Um, and, and fundamentally, there's there's no end to that process. So I myself, you know, I was, uh, I found myself about five years ago now in Hong Kong, and I was um, at director level within uh, within Accenture Strategy, leading a big team. I think I had a team of about 100, 120 at the time. Um, 
and I was just on that treadmill of, okay, what's the next deal? What's the next client? What's the next promotion? And I just, I found that at that point that that treadmill was no longer bringing me the joy that perhaps it once did. And so I just, I figured at the time that there just had to be more to life. And so that's what kind of really begun me on, on my path and, and my search. Um, and now what I can see so clearly by virtue of, you know, the change in the nature of the relationships between myself and the many people that I used to work with in that context, you know, I, I had amazing, incredible, brilliant, driven mentors that were just, you know, you know, beautiful to learn from in in that context. So I was I count myself as very fortunate. But over the years, our you know our relationship has has quite shifted because I've shifted, and so we've begun to have much more conversations about you know the emotional and the spiritual, and and as you know they've become you know increasingly comfortable about opening up and having these conversations because of our you know long-standing relationship you you begin to see a pattern there's a very you know require there's an inner feeling of of lack of not being good enough typically rooted in childhood trauma right so um, maybe it was mom maybe it was dad maybe it was someone else in the family there's been some you know early life developmental um, challenge that has led the person to fundamentally feel like they're not good enough and so then what takes place is that they're just that extra five or six or 10% more competitive than the next person. This generally, I think, takes hold from quite a young age and it perpetuates through the schooling system. Then it also gets, you know, brought into the career, uh, the career dynamics. And, you know, fundamentally, this person is chasing validation, success, rewards, all of those sorts of things in the outside world, because fundamentally, they just they're feeling this sense of inner lack. And um, and so, yeah, just to see that pattern just begin to reemerge over and over and over again in, you know, the people that I hold near in, in my life and, and also the people that we serve uh, in terms of, you know, executives and, and entrepreneurs is, is, is really interesting. And so, you know, there's a lot of inner work to be done for those, um, for those groups. Okay. So, and, and, and just, let's say you're, a CEO or like on the C level of a big company, or you have your own company and you kind of feel you need to undergo a certain change. I mean, for many reasons, like not only um, COVID or like the things that are changing, although a lot of people seem to look for a need to look for new ideas <laughs> for the next couple of years, but still I'm sure that's not the only reason it even, even has existed before COVID. So How would that look like? So you kind of approach you and say, okay, this is what I would like to work on. Or like maybe you can give an example how people, like especially maybe from a very responsible background, because this is also a special kind of question because they might even have to, I don't know, maybe not if it's their own company, they don't have to justify it. But if they work for a bigger other company probably would have to say, well, you know, I'm going on a psychedelic retreat. So that's kind of a new thing that somebody would actually um, request from, from their kind of investors, <laughs> leader, leaders, and so on. So maybe you just talk a little bit how this works if somebody from a C-level approaches you. 
Yeah, that's that's an interesting question, actually. And, and we do encourage our clients to request, you know, if they're within a large organization, we actually encourage them to request funding in relation to leadership development, um, because it's something that can mm-hmm. be compensated. We generally recommend to our clients that they don't seek full compensation. I think it's important that we individually, energetically uh, make a personal investment in our own growth and development. So rather than just someone else paying for our development, you know, I had actually envisaged um, when I started uh, Behold Retreats that we might operate under a pay it forward type of business model. And so that's how I started is actually hosting retreats, facilitating retreats for close friends and doing so at my expense. Um, but when one of my mentors, she told me, you know, you should start charging because you'll find that uh, your friends will get way more benefit out of um, out of the work itself by virtue of their investment in the process. And so when I did that, you know, she's she's so wise and, and she was so right. And, um, you know, because it's it's their energetic investment that's being represented in in the investment in, in themselves. And so, yeah, so, you know, I guess I guess taking a step back, we get um, a few different types of clients um, from from a leadership position, as you alluded to, and, you know, confidentiality and privacy is important to a great a great percentage of them you know this this topic is still a little bit too out there for the overwhelming majority of of long-standing companies um but um but number one i would say that we get a lot of people that are in a transition right so they've either um they're no longer getting joy from the work that they've been doing for 20 30 sometimes even 40 years um you know perhaps they're just out of uh, a long relationship or or marriage uh, that's another you know pretty pretty typical clients you know what has been working for them up until this point of their life seems to no longer be working for them. So they really need a bit of a change in, in paradigm. Um, and then there's a lot of people who have come to recognize that they do need to deal with their trauma, right? So there's this kind of dynamic whereby uh, as time goes on, the amount of energy that's required to suppress the the trauma that's trying to come up, um, you know, the kind of the midlife cr- midlife crisis, so to speak, uh, the amount of energy that's required to keep that stuff down actually becomes greater and greater as people grow older. And so there's a lot of people who they just really feel that there's something welling up inside them and that they they need to do something that's different to, to manage their mental and emotional state in a way that um, is going to give them some, some peace uh, and, and some resolution in terms of what's going on inside them. Mm-hmm. But I mean... Um especially now if we talk about people who have to first of all lead other people or constantly have to come up with um, innovation in in their company and i mean those people come to you but also at the moment we kind of experience a very fundamental shift obviously that let's say old school leadership um, structures (laughs) are kind of falling apart and I think we're just in the middle of reorganizing this. Nobody really knows how a new leadership really will look like at the moment. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how this kind of specific yeah, challenge for leadership or, or, or C-level kind of jobs could actually be affected by a psychedelic treatment or experience. That would be great. I mean, also yeah. what you what you experienced, yeah, what what you've seen with other with people. Yeah, and I would I would come back to um, you know often 
the 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 style of a leader is often a reflection of what's going on in their inner world right so if there's a lot of anxiety and fear and lack of ability to control themselves then that will often be reflected in their leadership style right so they will be top-down control hierarchical because because again it's it's all a reflection of consciousness right and so if there's that that sort of um, experience in the inner world, then that's going to be reflected in in the outer world and in, in the leadership and management style. So, you know, it's very common for people as they begin to do their own healing work and have breakthroughs in relation to, you know, how they treat themselves to then, of course, that also become reflected in in their management style. And so, you know, I think we, we as you say, Anne, we see a radical shift away from top-down fear-based uh, hierarchy to more servant leadership model. Uh, and it's great to see. I think, you know, as much as anything, business is always innovating towards that which is more effective, that which is more efficient. You know, there was one of one of my old mentors told me, um, you know, you know, controlling what other people are doing, how, how is that working for you? And I think we can we can all know and admit that at some point we've tried to control what other people are doing and it, and it almost never goes well, right? And so, uh, yeah. the, and so it just shows us that there's such an opportunity and, and an efficiency to unlock between all of us individually and collectively when we stop trying to control and we engage on, on another, you know, on another set of, of principles Principles, which is about how can I help you? I know that you and I want to achieve the same things. Let's make sure that that's true. And then how can I help you? And how can you help me to make sure that we can achieve those things together? Because, you know, it's, 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 it's a hard and lonely path to try to command and control everything around you. Um, if, and if instead you focus on trying to foster and facilitate an environment and ecosystem that everyone can work together in harmony. Well, that's, that's a much more interesting and exciting way to, um, to collaborate and probably much easier to get out of bed in the morning to, um, to find your inspiration mm -hmm. as well. But I mean, can you give us an example from somebody, of course, no names and stuff, but who came in and you were like, Oh God, this guy, he's like the worst. And then <laughs> after your retreat, <laughs> he came out and you were like, Oh, I want to found a company with this guy. So, I mean, I'm just curious how the transformation is happening. Yeah, well, there's there's two examples that that come to mind. You know, I think a lot of the dysfunction and imbalance that we see in the planet is is really a result of too much of the masculine, you know, command and control type of energy, and mm -hmm. not enough of the feminine, right? The nurturing and the caring type of energy. Uh, and so, the the two examples that immediately come to mind are as a result of that, men. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, one of our one of our clients, he uh, runs a big commercial real estate empire, and uh, has done so very successfully for you know better part of 25 years mm -hmm. um but you know he is he he was previously at the absolute epicenter of everything in that business you know he he, he had two phones and was just you know mm -hmm. constantly yeah. connected and, and kind of tapped yeah. into every little detail and and so you know the company was a, a byproduct of that very finely tuned um 
I guess, set of experiences that he developed and, and a real sensitivity to anything that wasn't done to an absolute perfection. Uh, and so, of course, that, you know, that is that becomes the bottleneck, right? You, you only right. establish yourself as the bottleneck in, in, in establishing that sort of culture and dynamic. Uh, and so as he began to release a lot of the fear um, from from within him, he was able to relax that structure and to really, you know, take a step back and do what what more CEOs should be doing, which is the big picture stuff, rather than you know, are the are the I's dotted and the T's crossed within a particular you know set of legal documents. So yeah, um, that was that was really beautiful yeah. to see. The other the other example that is um, just a very recent one actually is uh, a client who. Um, you know, he uh, he was working very hard. He was um, he's chief security officer uh, at a number of different companies so on a on a consulting basis. And um, you know, he was he was stretching himself pretty thin. He was drinking a little bit too much. He um, he had some some challenges with his uh, with his spine, and so he was you know also medicating with painkillers to try to just cope oh. with the pain and you know oh. just stay on top of things and, and keep plowing forward. And so over the course of, you know, a 10 day retreat that we hosted for him in Costa Rica, he was really, you know, he's, he's given up all the booze. He says he used to come into the room with a certain court in his words, you know, El Diablo sort of energy and kind of, you know, very <laughs> ego and like, yeah, I'm here to fix the day and I'm the guy and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And he says, it's been amazing, you know, with his own shift in energy, he's been able to have just much deeper and much more loving conversations with people that he never would have met, you know, before, you know, the mother and the young child would have never, you know, engaged with him in the cafe because it's, it's just a different energy. And whereas right. now he's having these really yeah. deep and, and meaningful conversations with the people next to him on a, on a completely different basis and just feels much more connected to himself. And as a result of feeling that connection to himself, he feels more connected to the world. And so, you know, those are, those are the sorts of people that, you know, I think, they have, they've succeeded, right? They, they have big impact, but are they having the right sort of energetic impact in, is, is a different question altogether. And so when people in, in such a short space of, you know, three or four weeks can begin to have these very meaningful shifts in the way that they um, treat themselves and as a result, the way that they treat others around them, it's a, it's a real point of leverage because, you know, leaders, leaders influence so many. And, and how, how is it if these people who were like El, the El Diablo before come back now into the office, into their old system and are no longer that person? And I, I mean, I guess assume that not everybody wants to leave their jobs. They just, like you say, they have like a certain moment in their life where they feel, okay, if I keep going like this, I'm probably going to get a heart attack or like developing a full-blown addiction. So But the interesting thing to me is always in general, when you come back from a psychedelic experience and you absolutely want to prevent to tell everybody, oh, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen God or anything. <laughs> like, you know, this thing where you, people are like, mm -hmm. you, you said that earlier. Kind of. <laughs> so I think an interesting <laughs> moment is, that's why it's so interesting. You guys have also this integrational part. So how do you, kind of explain what is happening when people come back into their old ecosystem and, and what do you guys actually help them to do to, to kind of reintegrate themselves? Yeah, and I think there's it's um, just to set a slightly broader context, which I think is is important to 
attempt to answer this one because it's it's a complex one. Yeah, sure. um, is you know there are some leaders that are coming back into a much broader context that is uh, above and beyond their control, right? So if you're going back to a Fortune 100, Fortune 500 company, you're likely to be a leader amongst a very large group of leaders. There's already right. a predominant culture that has often decades, if not many decades of history behind it. Um, and so for for those people, I, I find that, you know, that integration process is can be even more challenging than for someone who's say the CEO of their own company, because if you're the CEO of the own company of your own company and you've had a mass- massive you know elevation in consciousness that you've been able to sustain, then you can begin to shift the culture of your company to reflect uh, that that change in your own consciousness in a relatively short space of time. And I suspect that it will become you know it's something that will come as very well received uh, by by the colleagues that you have around you because you're going to be more patient, more empathetic, more loving, more caring, all of those sorts of good things. Now, in perhaps in contrast, not to say that you can't bring all of those traits back to a, a Fortune 100 or Fortune 500 company. Of course you can and of course you should. But what people do find is that um, integrating that into a much stronger and much more pre-established culture can be actually quite a bit more difficult. And so um, what people often find is that uh, there's, there's, you know, the, that the integration of their insights into, into the work environment where it's still perhaps top-down hierarchical, you know, very much driven by a different set of principles than that, which uh, they might now prescribe to by virtue of the breakthroughs that they've had. Um, becomes a bit of a spiritual practice because they need to catch themselves and and be patient and, and empathetic, perhaps on a much slower, you know, the, the transition is going to happen on a much on a much slower basis. And it ha- needs to happen on uh, the basis of individual conversations, individual relationships. Uh, and, and sometimes people are willing to spend the time and the energy uh, into their old organization to begin to facilitate that change. Other times people feel that now there's such a difference in the level of consciousness between their work environment and where they are at, that they actually just don't feel inclined to re-engage in that sort of environment and that they actually need to go and find new employment. So it's, um, so, so yeah, so it's, that one's a very interesting one to, um, to manage with, with, uh, with leaders. And so it's important that they have, you know, that they have some trusted third party support to help, you know, help them integrate the experience first and foremost into themselves and to be able to abstract away from uh, that lower level of consciousness that may be, you know, persistent in in their work environment um, and to help them really work through that in a way that's not overly reactionary and overly, yeah, just, you know, not too fast is is a thing that we often say to our clients. Mm-hmm. And what about teams? I mean, we know they're kind of a family constellation with psychedelics basically happening or it's it's a thing that's coming which makes total sense to me but as we know family constellation is also used in a team context or in a work surrounding so did you have already um let's say a whole team coming to you and say okay like let's say the four c-level people we need to strengthen our bond we need to come up with a new idea of our 20-year-old company and now we have we're venturing into new times did that already happen or i'm just like the total genius to come up with this idea (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it um you know, I actually I actually wanted to establish behold retreats around that around oh, that concept okay. initially bringing so bringing together uh, my background in consulting um and and exactly that which is you know, generally speaking taking a step back, I think generally speaking um a lot of a lot of bright entrepreneurs and executives, you know, they're in a company that's got a very bold and exciting mission. Uh, but then the ego gets in the way in terms of being able to execute as efficiently as possible as we might to, towards that vision. Uh, and so, and so, absolutely, these are these are very powerful experiences. I know that there is a lot of um, leadership retreats that are taking place. We are uh, we're planning for one uh, with the with the company uh, later this year. We haven't held one yet, but we're very excited to host that uh, that first one for an organization, um, and and really to you know help them, you know first and foremost do the personal work, but then also to bring to bring an aspect of the um, of of the collective into that picture. And I think you're right that it's you know it's got incredible potential to unlock. Um, the 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 dynamics between the individuals that are no longer serving them and also to help them set an even bolder vision perhaps than they might today and they might have today and come together around that and to acknowledge the differences in skills and capabilities that could lead towards a more efficient execution uh, on that path you know I think often we get stuck or even bogged down by this oh well my my role is this and your role is that and right. this, your role is that yeah. which gets in the way of of actually making the most of um of the skills and capabilities that we have within a given leadership team so and let's say you have three people or four people doing this so and i assume you would do ayahuasca with them maybe so or maybe also psilocybin so is it that they interact while tripping or is it only happening after they basically coming back to like out of the trip and then they, oh, I saw you as my sun, sunlight <laughs> and experience or like as the person that's absolutely crucial to me and stuff. So how does this actually work in, in, in the, in the trip? Yeah. So, yeah, so one of the, one of the reasons that, um, to, to set context, one of the reasons that I think it's important that, um, say, a leadership team works with third-party support is that I've heard some stories, actually, of people, leaders feeling pressured into doing this work along with the rest of their leadership team, right? Where it's like, oh, well, all, all 10 of the leadership team are going to go down and we're going to do this retreat for this weekend. And, oh, you have to come, right? And so there's like, well, Okay, now seven or eight of the leadership team are going, and so now the, are the last two going to feel like they are pressured into the experience? And so that's not, you know, that's really not the right energy for this type of work, as you can appreciate. So I think it's it's important that people have their own individual experiences in relation to uh, in relation to this work, and and to have someone, you know, a third party to, yeah, help people decide for themselves, right? Because, you know, we all have this inner knowing. And so tapping into that and, and whether a leadership retreat with the rest of, you know, my colleagues is the right context for me to go and have a first ayahuasca retreat. I think instinctively, a lot of people would say, maybe that's not the right for the first time, maybe the second time, maybe the third time. Uh, but it's, it's ultimately up to each of the individuals. And so um, the way that we would facilitate that would be everyone to have their own individual experiences. And then, you know, as things are 
are coming down, you know, um, than to bring people back together and to have, you know, more, more experiences that are more collective, um, after, after the peak experiences. Okay. And I mean, you just basically already talking about this, about, let's say the, the security aspect or like the, the safe experience. So let's say again, you have like a couple of people coming and of course you talk to them before, like, For example, are they on any medication? Are they on any, even antidepressants? Do they think they might be suffering from an addiction problem? So, I mean, as you actually kind of, for you, it's important to have like a safe experience for your clients or for your customers. So is how far can you actually go and, or do you go and ask them about their mental health condition beforehand? Yeah, we, we go quite far. So we've, you know, our screening is about uh, six pages long and uh, goes pretty in depth in terms of their physical as well as their psychological state. And, you know, of course, that's that's necessary and in the highest interests of anyone who is considering doing this work, because, you know, it's it's important to it's important to understand where they're at mentally, emotionally, and energetically, spiritually, um, because that's going to very much inform the likelihood of them having a very challenging experience. And, you know, especially if we were talking about doing this within the context of, um, of, of a group of colleagues, then, you know, generally speaking, if someone's going to have a very challenging experience, they probably don't want to have that with a whole bunch of the people that they're going to work with, uh, you know, for, yeah. for the years ahead. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's, it's very important. I think the other, the other trends that I should have shared actually is, um, that we see there's a lot of leaders that have become emotionally disconnected from themselves, right? So they've become so accustomed to stress, um, yeah. that the, um, yeah, the nervous system is basically just disconnected from, from the mind, uh, to a great extent. And so, um, you know, most people, most leaders don't even know that they're emotionally disconnected. I've got, you know, from my, my past life in consulting, I've got a lot of clients that are so stressed out and they're so used to being stressed out. They have been for the past 20 years. They just keep loading themselves up with higher and higher workloads that they don't even know that they are emotionally disconnected. And I didn't even know that I was emotionally disconnected because it's just the norm, you know, that's just the, the byproduct of a high stress environment. But I mean, this exactly this being emotionally disconnected, the interesting thing about last year is that you could, people could not ignore this any longer, that the disconnection, because you were suddenly, you had less, way less influence, not, not being on the plane for the whole week, basically flying to crazy places, like five places in a week, like especially people on on sea levels, like going to America, the next day to China, the next day. I mean, it's, it's a totally normal thing, depending on a company. So, and then suddenly it's like, no, you, you have to stay in your chair and look at the screen maximum. So my question would be, um, do, you, do you feel that, like, say, the request for this reconnection has increased like people are looking into this again or meaning or asking actually what, what i want to ask is do you have more people from a leadership position coming in and asking especially for that yeah i think i think purpose is definitely a big one and reconnecting emotionally i think more and more leaders are waking up to the fact that they are 
um, emotionally emotionally disconnected. And as you say, I think COVID has played a significant role there in terms of people no longer having the usual distractions and demands uh, that are that are all encompassing. And so, you know, it's um, it's it's always an interesting dynamic. You know, the the clients that we work with um, when they're they're very excited. They're often very excited about the um, the plant medicine part because they they've read some stuff, they've heard some stuff. You know, maybe they've seen something in the Economist or one of the big publications, exactly. and they're like, "Yep, okay, let's do this." Yeah, yeah. And then when yeah. when we start to when we start having a, a more meaningful conversation, then they're like, "Oh, this this sounds like it's going to take a lot of time. How much time? How much time is this going to take?" And it's you know they just want to go and do right. the plant medicine component and and kind of bypass the mental and emotional work, and that's that's not really what we're about and so it's um it's always interesting because it's hard to get these people to prioritize themselves um is 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 the reality of it you know they're they say that they're prioritizing themselves but but really when it comes down to it it's like it's really hard to get them to spend time on themselves with themselves uh and and for them not to see that as indulgent even often which is uh which is quite funny um because you know these these are high performing people who understand that the performance of course comes from within uh but actually making that that you know time investment in themselves, a lot of them find that uh, quite challenging, which is funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, speaking of The Economist, I mean, um, there is a book called The Psychedelic CEO, um, kind of portraying a picture of a maybe not so future CEO. I mean, like, of course, we all know these examples of Steve Jobs and, and other big Silicon Valley names who basically spoke out about plant medicine, getting them into or bringing them the idea that the company really has to have or the product. So, and, and, and in terms of a kind of bringing your brain or, or presenting new ideas to your world because your brain has kind of this reset or reboot or like a new neuroplasticity, um, if you now leave out the whole mental health thing for a while. So do you think this will be like a very normal tool in the next five years? Because everybody who have, has ever done it and who has kind of a business that I talked to had really crucial ideas afterwards or crucial changes or got some, let's say, downloads, <laughs> informations, met some people yeah. in their trip that actually had such a big influence real people or not real people on their further engagement. So, and I'm, I'm always wondering, I mean, is this something that at five years we just, oh, I need some, I need to prepare a meeting. I'm going to go, <laughs> just exaggerating now, I'm going to go on, um, on an ayahuasca weekend. So that would be like a very hardcore form, but it kind of comes to mind that it just really makes total sense to get new ideas for your company. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think um, I think I think that's right, and I think this will become a more generally accepted tool for creativity and for elevating consciousness. You know, I think one of the things that honestly disappoints me a little bit is how much of the media attention in relation to psychedelics revolves around depression and anxiety and PTSD. Don't get me wrong. I think it's so important that that this is this is such an amazing and powerful tool for treatment of these ailments that um 
you know, that lead to hundreds of millions of people suffering uh, around the world. And that's amazing. But that's that's such a limited perspective on the potentiality of this tool as, as you spoke to. And I think, you know, there's so much excitement in terms of our ability to tap into, yeah, to, to higher wisdom um, and to use that for uh, individual and collective benefit, as well as to elevate our consciousness so that we are more caring, loving, empathetic, and and courageous uh, on an ongoing basis. So I think, you know, the current mental health paradigm has just set this bar where uh, if you're below the bar, then you need to go see someone because you need treatment. If you're above the bar, then everything's just fine. Get back to work. And that's, that's fundamentally not it. You know, there's no end to the evolution of consciousness. We are the, you know, the highest earthly form of consciousness uh, that we know about on the planet. Planet. And um, and what's exciting about that is that we can evolve ourselves to even in higher and higher and higher states of consciousness. And, you know, the mystics have been telling this to us for millennia. We just haven't been listening. And so I think this um, this, you know, there's more and more of the academic community is really buying into what you you've probably heard about before, which is the the stoned ape theory, which is that theory that our prefrontal cortex has yeah. fundamentally co-evolved in yeah. in collaboration with these plant medicines. It's not that these plant medicines do cool and interesting stuff to our brain. It's that our brain is interesting in large part or our brain is as interesting as it is in in large part because of these powerful um, powerful plant medicines, which is a complete revolutionary, you know, is a complete shift in terms of how we think about uh, these medicines. Absolutely, and I mean, um, at the same time, like this uh, this expression of psychedelic leadership is kind of there's even a podcast I think around this. So it seems also something that becomes not let's say straight con straight connected to like a over the top silicon valley idea which we know like a microdosing got rediscovered in 2012 13 i remember reading the first articles about um reintroducing microdosing lsd in, in in silicon valley but now this means something else it's not only like put your brain um kind of create create like a like a high functioning brain it also means that you in, are more maybe inclusive that you're more um take into account what's happening with the people whose maybe plants you are using that let's say indigenous people um who actually came up with this whole idea <laughs> 5000 years ago so what does that mean for you that kind of expression and do you think it's kind of the, the leadership of the future in a way you know i think i think there's actually a great video that uh, on the stoned ape theory which kind okay. of describe leadership traits as as courage and empathy right so the empathy of being able to listen to others all right to really understand what they're how they're seeing the world right because often um the broader the broader team has collectively a much better perspective on what is than than any one individual can possibly right they speak to more customers they um you know they know the suppliers better you know whatever industry whatever 
dynamics we're talking about, it, there's there's a collective wisdom that is always greater than our own in the context of um, in the context of business. And so, leaders who are who have the empathy that don't believe that they have all the answers, but believe that collectively there's a lot to be gained through having empathetic conversations with the team. I think will be at an advantage relative to those who think you know they have all the answers. Um, and then and then second. Secondly, the courage. So once once there's you know the collation of ideas brought together to actually have the 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 strategy and the the insight to actually drive the team forward, right? So you know going back to our tribal days to actually climb over the mountain and make sure that yes, there is you know better caves on the other side and a lake and hunting grounds that um, that I can go back and bring the tribe to, uh, and that there is fertile ground there that um, that. To, to bring the broader team. And so I think, you know, fundamentally that's, that's the rule of the role of leaders is to have that courage, to have that empathy. Um, and I think psychedelics, yeah, absolutely can play a fundamental role in uh, helping people develop themselves. And so as a result of that, develop their leadership capabilities. Okay. I mean, let's say leaders, leadership people who want to come to a retreat. What would you say kind of expects them If, what what is the the journey they're gonna go on once they engage in it? Yeah, so you know my my personal journey and my realization, then also speaking with others, is that as people are doing plant medicine work, there's a bunch of dynamics which lead to not getting the benefits that are possible through this work. And so those dynamics are number one, skipping the mental and emotional work. Number two, um, you know, this is an unregulated ecosystem. So that means that anyone can be serving medicine. And so as there's been an explosion in demand, um, more and more people have obviously moved into this work. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're capable of doing the work at the highest level. This is very complex work. You know, the, the medicine is complex. Humans are complex. Mm -hmm. Bringing the two together makes for a lot more complexity. And then doing that in a group setting even adds another layer of complexity to it. So, um, so making sure that there's really expert expert guides and facilitators. Uh, and so what we do, as I shared before, is, is three weeks of preparation, which includes uh, group as well as one-to-one -one coaching. Um, we've got an online program which um, provides people resources for guided self-inquiry. There's meditations in there. There's healings in there. There's exercises to help them uh, really set deep and meaningful intentions in terms of where they want to be in, say, three months' time, um, and also to help them really understand where they are today right and um and also to begin to um release some of the shame or some of the guilt uh in relation to some of the things that are holding them back right what often happens is that oh well i'm not i, I don't spend enough time with my family and then they feel guilty or they feel shame right. about not feeling mm. spending enough time with their family so there's there's not only what they perceive to be a problem, which is the, the not spending enough time with the family, but then there's layers of emotions around that. And so as much as possible, we, 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 begin we love to give clients big shifts even before the plant medicine 
retreat experiences uh, and teaching them the tools for metacognition, teaching them the tools for emotional processing means that they can actually begin to do a lot of the work ahead of the retreat. And so that means that, you know, when we step into a ceremony and we drink the medicine and there's this, you know, big amplification of energy um, that, that begins to take place that we don't contract away from the experience, but we expand into the experience because we have the tools already. And so we're able to work much more effectively and efficiently and what leader doesn't like to work effectively and efficiently with the medicine right. and so yeah, able right. to release many more layers of what we are not and that's you know the way that i see this work is that it's just about releasing layers and layers and layers of all those lower level emotions pride you know uh, anger envy fear apathy grief shame guilt and just releasing as many layers of those um those lower level emotions that we are not so that we can begin to elevate our consciousness mm -hmm. and you know uh, that's that's what the medicine is trying to do is to bring us up into those higher higher states of consciousness and providing us that opportunity to uh, to really resolve those those dissonant lower level energies that are keeping us away from what we truly are and have there been many people after the retreats that founded their own company afterwards? I'm just curious, just out of curiosity. Have there been many who just left their, let's say, corporate jobs and <laughs> like you did and created their own space, their own life also? Yeah, well, it's been interesting. There's definitely been a few that are that have been very interested in 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 the plant medicine space coming out of the experience because they're like, you know, because they they have to do it. We now. all have a certain we certain have you know we can't help but have some sort of certain expectation, right? Yeah. A lot of our clients have been first timers, or maybe they did some psilocybin when they were you know in their college, college. years when they were 21, 22 in a group and a very different sort of a context, and so they come out of these experiences going wow and and thinking about the business opportunity and so you know it's uh, it's always sure. interesting because uh, <laughs> you know it's it's of course not our role to try and slow them down but uh you know i always encourage them maybe do a little bit more of uh, your own work it doesn't have to be with us of course but maybe do a little bit more of your own work before you kind of jump in so quickly <laughs> <laughs> into uh, this new, new exciting space. There's even this one episode in Billions where they are seeing the ayahuasca guy and then they want to bring him in, into the company and somebody else already has him. So I guess that's what's happening in a certain context right now. But you know what? I think yeah. that's that's been fantastic. It's a very compact idea one could get that is might be interested and then of course like, you have like i don't know how, all over the place you have retreats but again always in places where it's legal to do so and i mean on on your website um one can see where these retreats are of course they're all beautiful um and um it was a great conversation i love that you're kind of so able to focus on on, on this point because we never really had that specific topic so far it's pretty often about rather mental health issues so but i think this is a very interesting mm, way i think that will develop way more in, in the coming years i'm pretty sure 
So absolutely, and I think, and I think it just comes back to the fact that we've normalized what is not very good mental health, right? We've set this bar exactly. at completely yeah. the wrong totally. level for ourselves, and so anxiety and stress and all of those sorts of things. You're just going, well, everyone's got that. So I mean, what's what's the problem? Like, yeah. <laughs> like well, that's the problem. Yeah, but it's but it's even <laughs> almost to the point that if that is going away that you feel like okay what am i going to do now sometimes like how do i get energized without anxiety it's it's a serious it's serious question because i remember in my early days as a journalist that was my main <laughs> can i meet the right people in two hours uh, can i write a story in a half an hour can i can i can i so the anxiety was the number one motor to go on a plane to like wherever and just get the story done in three hours because like in your mind, you're always like, okay, what's my boss going to say? Is the team on board? Is it going to be ready? So, and then like after everything was done, it was normally you would then think like, well, now I should feel relieved, but you were not relieved because the, the cycle would still be going on. So, and I think that's a big motor in the Western world is working out of anxiety honestly absolutely absolutely it's so. it's though it's that uh outer that outer drive and motivation yeah. rather than the 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 inner the inner peace and that's uh yeah i think that 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 in of itself describes so much of the dysfunction that we see in this world well said so thank you so much it was great uh great you were on the show and um i'm sure we hear more from you very soon <laughs> on this channel I'm uh, sure we can come up with a couple of new collaborations. Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me, Anne. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the New Health Club show. And please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or if you would like to sign up for our newsletter, please go to www.thenewhealthclub.de and subscribe to the newsletter. Again, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, of course, there's also a new health club now. Or even better, sign up to our newsletter on thenewhealthclub.de. I talk to you very soon. <laughs>